Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Sometimes at moments like this, it can be a little challenging because we feel the transition. And how do we walk this transition well? And I really believe that just as we've been worshiping, we've been lifting up the name of Jesus, we've been looking and focusing our eyes on him, we've been turning our hearts toward heaven. And what we're doing now is continuing. Is as we look into the word, we want to continue to focus on Jesus. We want to continue to look to him. We want to continue to posture our hearts and worship as we receive the word of the living God. God has done amazing things already this morning. You know, I've, um, I've taught before that, you know, Scripture says it's in John that uh, the declaration of Jesus is when I am lifted up, I will draw them into myself. And we often connect that to worship and to praise. Jesus was specifically speaking about his, the cross. He said, when I'm lifted up on the cross, in fact, he references that in the next verse. When I'm lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men into myself. And... Often when we're worshiping, we are lifting up the crucified and risen Christ. When we sing the name of Jesus, we are magnifying the Son of God and the fullness of who He is and what He has done. And as we lift up Jesus, we are drawn to His heart because He is beautiful. So uh, we are going to just continue as we look in the Word. I'm going to pray specifically for uh, God's covering over this Word and this time as we uh, look into it. This Word is living, it's active, it's piercing to the depths of our being and brings transformation to our lives. So God, thank you so much for your constant presence in our lives. We thank you so much for your presence right now among us. God, for those that are here in this worship center, for those that are joining online, God, we thank you that you are with us. God, it's our desire that we would come to know you more. It's our desire, Lord, that you would have your way with us that your word would speak to us. So Lord, we posture ourselves right now with open hands, open hearts, open minds to hear and receive your word. And God, let your word do everything that you desire in every one of our lives for your glory and for your honor. Amen. Amen. So, it's a little bit different start to the message this morning. I wanna begin with this question that I'm about to answer. What is it that brought me to this place, in this worship center, on this hill, this morning, to preach the Word of God? What is it that brought me here? Well, it all began when I was born in York Hospital. <laughs> I went back a little bit further than you thought I was going to, right? But I want to tell you the story, because it's part of what's led me here. And I'm just going to hit some high points, just some things that God has put on my heart about my story, but I was born, literally, I was born in York Hospital, and then I grew up raised in the thriving metropolis of Glen Rock. <laughs> we were in the burrow, but just on the edge, you know, across the street were houses and then countryside. But that's where I grew up, and I was so fortunate because I was raised in a, in a home that honored God. The house that I lived in, the family that I was part of, and I was brought up in a church. And I was so thankful for parents, for a mom and dad who loved the Lord and reflected God's light through their lives. They were witnesses to me of Jesus Christ. So I went through Southern York County School District. Yay, Southern. Used to be the Warriors. Um, so <laughs> some of you know what I mean. Uh, but I was blessed to go through um, Southern York County School District through the system. And when I re reached my senior year, I was a place of question. I was a good student and there were opportunities before me, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. It's like some, some of my friends had such a clear direction, like this is what's, what's gonna happen with my life, this is where I'm going. And I just, it was a fog for me. I didn't have a clear 
picture. There was something in my heart. I was raised in the faith, and there's actually when I was about 12 years old, one of uh, a rural ranger leaders spoke over, over my life within a group. He, he just said, you know, in this group, Mark, you're the one that's going to be a pastor. And it's like, okay. You know, it wasn't prophetic, but it was a word. So my senior year of high school, I, I felt this, what I call sensitivity to the ministry, as far as vocational ministry. We're all called to full-time ministry and all of our living. But I felt a sensitivity to the ministry, but not a call. So I talked to my, uh, my pastor at the time, uh, Pastor Robert Harris. He had just been with the church a few years, and he gave me advice, and I was um, looking for spiritual advice, and he kind of gave me a physics lesson, okay? He made this statement, it's easier to steer a moving wheelbarrow. Okay, in the context of the conversation, it made sense. But, <laughs> but I want to help you. So if you're standing still, it's, it's, it's harder to turn. When you start moving, that wheelbarrow can be direct. And basically what he's saying, you need to just start moving. Start moving, God's going to direct. And, and that's, what's, that's what happened. So I started moving, and God opened up a door that I didn't expect. I had applied to Penn State York and got a scholarship that I didn't know I applied for. And um, so that was my direction. I really wanted to go into a trade and then... I get a, a college education after that, but God opened this door, so I went to Penn State, York, got an associate's degree in mechanical engineering technology. At the end of that was at another crossroads. What am I going to do? So I did some job searches, and nothing clicked, so I felt, well, I'm going to go further. So I went to Penn State, uh, Harrisburg, and got my bachelor's degree in the same, uh, same area of engineering. And, um, and then God just opened the door. I got an engineering job in, in York. And um, so I was on a path. And uh, at that point, I thought life was in order, and then a devastating break of a, re- of a relationship that I thought was going to be f- for a life was extremely devastating, but God used it to transform my life. God used that hardship to, um, to just focus me and just to bring changes internally in my character and who I was in a way that I needed and I longed for. Uh, a few years later, I met um, Joelle, who became my bride, and we have now... Um, Lived in happy, full marriage for over 30 years. So thankful for that. Yeah, applaud Joelle. (laughs) Um, But I'm so thankful for the witness of Jesus Christ through my wife. I I just see him in and through her in such beautiful ways. We were very involved in ministry together as volunteers. So she married an engineer. And in less than two years, she became a pastor's wife. (laughs) So um, I, we were very fulfilled in what we were doing, and my pastor approached me, again, Pastor Harris, and God, um, and God just, again, ministered to him in, in, in my life, or through him into, into my life, being a witness of Jesus, and he invited me. He said, would you consider leaving your job and coming on staff? And I hadn't considered that, but in time, we really felt it was the right thing to do, and I left my engineering job that I really enjoyed and uh, became a pastor. God then uh, blessed our home with two children, with Allison and Joshua, and in and through their lives have seen the witness of Jesus in so many beautiful ways. Um, but I had the privilege of serving in ministry at uh, my home church for over 21 years in various roles, and then over eight years ago, I was invited to come to be a part of Grace, and I'm so thankful that God has brought me here. I just, uh, I, I know it's been God's leading, God's direction. I see confirmation all over the place, and that is what brought me here. Long answer to a short question. So why did I tell you my story? It's not to focus on me, and I hope it didn't. Part of it is what I wanted, what I wanted to do is to share with you some of the challenge that I had, that I did this week in going deeper, and that last week, Pastor Ben left us with these opportunities to go deeper in the Lord, and one was to, to thank God for the witnesses in your life. And in my story, I've been able to just share with you thanksgiving to God for some of the witnesses in my life. But in this past week, I've seen others. And as elders, on Friday, we did this where we shared a a witness in in our lives that pointed us to Jesus. Um, And I trust, too, that you've taken time to do this. If you haven't from last week's message, do it this week. In fact, if you have done it, continue to do it this week. It's beautiful. And to recenter our lives and to see where our lives may not have Jesus at the very center. And then to be focusing on John chapter 1. But the thing is, is that I've told you my story because in my story, you may have seen some things that connect to your story. Maybe some, some kind of transition question. I, I, I don't know. But, but there are some things that you may have connected of my story to your story. But if not, there is connection. Even if you didn't see something. 
Because what I want us to look at today is how God has a similar call on every single one of our lives. For all who call upon the name of Jesus and follow after him, Jesus has a similar call on each and every one of our lives. And he's writing a story that he wants to continue to write this week. What's really amazing is as we were looking at John chapter 1, I saw that this similar call was on John the Baptist. In fact, it brought clarity even to the call on my life. And it's the call that's on your life too. So when we look at our own lives, when we look at John the Baptist, there is a similar call. And in all, all our lives, that call is to point to Jesus. To point to Jesus. When we point to Jesus, we find life in ways beyond what we could ever imagined. So what we're going to do is track through John's, John the Baptist's life. So I want to bring clarity, first of all. So the Gospel of John was written by the Apostle John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So we're going to see how that John walks with Jesus. But who we're focusing on today is John the Baptist. So John the Apostle is writing concerning John the Baptist. And we've already looked back. In fact, uh, there's been introduction just six verses into this Gospel. There's introduction of John the Baptist when uh, the apostle wrote this in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, as I was looking at this passage, there was um, something that came to my attention from our devotional study form. So if you've received this, I hope that you're considering using it as part of your study. Again, this isn't a, a a form that we're saying, hey, use this word for word, but use it to inspire. You may follow it exactly, but it's an aid to help us. But one of the things under the meditation, step two meditation, is this, to personalize it in the scripture. Personalize it, replace the pronouns or people in the verse with your own name. So when we look at verse six, and we read this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. I asked the question to myself and actually to some others as well this week. Can we put our name in there where it says John? There was a man or a woman sent from God whose name was fill in your name. In fact, let's do that. I'm going to read it, and when we come to that, say your name out loud, okay? Okay, there was a person sent from God whose name was Sounded like John to me. For some of you, it is. Your name is John. So that was easy, okay? Um, but, but the thing is, is that, is that can we insert our names in that scripture, and is there truth in that? And as we walk through this, I think we're going to see that, that although John's call was unique, there are, again, there are so many similarities that we truly can put ourselves in John's place and see, who, see how God had called and used John the Baptist and see how God has that same call on our lives to point to Jesus. Now, we need to be careful as we do this, and, and as I said, when, when I was doing this exercise, um, I was careful because I wanted to make sure, is this a place I can insert my name, okay? Because there are certain places in Scripture where you're not just supposed to put your name because it's telling a story, and that's not a story that you're supposed to be part of, okay? So we need to look at the Scripture and see, is this a place where God is, t- is calling me to insert my name so that I can see it and I can have better application? And as we look at, again, John the Baptist, we're going to see that the mission and the message from God to John is given to you and to me as followers of Jesus Christ. So we're going to read through the passage, and if you have your, we're going to be reading in ESV, so um, if you have your illuminated uh, devotional, uh, you can read from that. I'm going to have the scripture on the the screen as well. Um, I do want to say that there was some question, these illuminated uh, devotionals, some thought there was a problem because theirs didn't light. They need batteries, okay, so, sorry, no, batteries won't help, but the light is in there, and as you open up, the light shines out, and that's what we're going to do right now is to look at the light of the word that is in the scripture. So we're reading from John chapter 1, beginning with verse 19, and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, 
I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Verse 24. Now they, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The Word of God. So as I was studying this word, I've uh, had the privilege to teach, teach through the Gospel of John a number of times um, over the years, but as I was studying this, actually there was something that was confusing to me because as I read through the rest of the book of John, I see that, that there are days that are consecutive. Specifically, in fact, in this chapter, we have uh, the first week of Jesus' public ministry. And what was confusing to me is that right after this passage, next week, we're gonna be looking at the calling of disciples. And I'm thinking, something doesn't match up here. So I needed to do some digging because the thing that confused me was that I knew that after Jesus was baptized by John that he was called by the Spirit to go into the wilderness and there for 40 days he fasted and was, was tempted by the devil. And then after that he came back and called his disciples. So I'm thinking, okay, how do these pieces fit together? So I did some study and I wanted want to invite you into that process a little bit. There's a, a book that I've had, it's, uh, it's the scripture, uh, it's the four gospels and it's called A Harmony of the Gospels. Now, there are a number of different versions of this, but this is so helpful to me in that it brings the, the four Gospels together. So we have the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that are synoptic Gospels. They're synonymous. They line up very closely. And then John is unique, but they all fit together. And what this does is that it gives a, that, that connection. It's a chronological connection. So passages that are, that are at the same time are put together, and it gives the flow so we can see how one Gospel connects with the other. So when I went to, the, to a harmony of the Gospels, I saw this, that these passages in Matthew 3, Mark 1, and Luke 3 all point to John the Baptist, to the, to the ministry of John the Baptist. So as I read them, it brought some clarity to some questions I had about this passage in John chapter 1. So, but first, I want to go back a little bit even further in John's life and uh, start at the very beginning. He was born in York Hospital. And, okay. You're listening. Okay. He was born before Jesus was born. And we just came through the, through the Christmas season and we looked at the story of, uh, of again, his birth and the, even the prophesying of his birth. He was the son of a priest and as his father, Zacharias, Zachariah, was ministering in the temple, an angel appeared to him. And in Luke chapter one, we have this, this message that was given to his father. And you will have seed and, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth, speaking of John. For he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So John's public ministry is fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And it's so important that we understand that. And, and we, we, again, as we look back, we see how, uh, again, the first interaction between uh, John and Jesus was when, was when John was in Elizabeth's womb. When Mary came in, she was pregnant with Jesus. When she came in, um, Elizabeth was six months pregnant and literally John leapt within her and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So just that contact, even before birth. So there was a connection between uh, John and Jesus. But again, specifically, his, uh, his coming was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. From Isaiah chapter 40, verses three through five, the prophet said this, 
a voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Listen to this, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So when John the Baptist comes on the scene, he is fulfilling this Old Testament prophecy. In fact, even that, that, that last verse from Malachi where it talks about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers, that is literally the last verse um, of the Old Testament. And John is stepping in on the scene after 400 years of silence, they have, there's been no major word from a prophet. John is breaking that silence and fulfilling that prophecy. So before our passage that we've looked at today, before John 1.19, we need to understand that, that John had already been in, active in ministry. He had been calling people to righteousness. He had been calling people away from their sin. He had, he had been calling people to be baptized, a baptism of repentance. And in fact, in that time, this is prior to John 1.19, in that time, Jesus had come to him and Jesus had been baptized by John. And we're gonna see reference to that. Jesus had been baptized by John. Jesus had gone into the wilderness and been te tested and tempted the devil, came back victorious. And then, and then we step into this scene of John 1.19. It's important that we understand that because John, when he's talking here in this passage, is reflecting back on what happened at Jesus' baptism. He's looking back and he's declaring what has, what has already been accomplished. So John was in Bethany, which is not the Bethany that's near Jerusalem. This is Bethany on the other side of Jordan. Uh, so it's east of the Jordan, probably about 15, 20 miles from Jerusalem, although there's some um, scholars have some different ideas of where that Bethany may have been. But he was baptizing. People were coming out to, to see and to hear this message, and many were being baptized. As we look through this passage today, we're going to be looking at one pri priority point that we, that we mentioned at the, at the outset and then three points that we're gonna be taking from the, pas from the passage. So the, the goal is, first of all, is that we would see in this that everything about John's life was pointing to Jesus. Can we substitute our name in there? That everything in our life is to point to Jesus. As we walk through this passage, we're gonna see how this happened in John's life and how I believe God is desiring for, for the, this very thing to happen in each one of our lives in three things. Is that John prepared the way and we are to prepare the way. John was humble in the way. We are to be humble in the way. And John, John proclaimed Jesus is the way and we are to proclaim that Jesus is the way. So we're gonna start our journey by looking at this prepare the way. Point to Jesus, prepare the way. So when John the Baptist came baptizing again, this baptism of repentance, he was preparing the way for Jesus to enter. He was making that road straight. He was, he was again going before. His message was given to the religious leaders. It, when you look back and again, some of those other passages of, of, of the gospels, well, we can see that he was painting a very, very strong picture for the religious leaders. Um, some of those words that he was famously known for are you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Strong words from John the Baptist to the religious leaders. He was speaking to the multitudes, to the Israelites, to the children of Abraham, saying that, that your, your heritage by blood is not the key. Now that's important and God speaks and he calls his chosen people by saying that, that you know, I can raise up from these rocks children of Abraham. But he's saying that the ax is being laid to the root of the tree, that, that there is a word coming that is strong that you need to hear, and that word is to repent, prepare the way for the Lord. He called them to bear good fruit because he said if you're not bearing good fruit, you're about to be, uh, be cast into the fire. I mean, these were hard words of repentance. To the multitudes, he was giving instructions that they were to do good, to give to those that were in need. To tax collectors, he was saying collect only what you legally should. To soldiers, he, would, he was saying don't steal and don't falsely accuse. These were all messages of repentance, of turning from and turning to. So often when we, and that's often the definition that we embrace of repentance, that repentance is turning from something and turning towards something else. I've given this illustration before here and, and other places, but it's something that I need to be reminded of. That repentance truly is turning from one thing and turning to something else. But it's not just a turn. 
Okay, because the reality is it's kind of like that wheelbarrow. If I, I can turn that wheelbarrow in all kinds of directions, but if I'm not moving, I'm not going anywhere, right? So the reality is that our life isn't going in one direction. And that direction, by default, is not toward God. We were born as sinners, and we're walking away from God. When illumination comes and the call to repentance, we turn, and that's a time of awakening. But repentance is actually carried out through our action is that we're walking in a new direction. And that's what John was saying. He was saying, don't just be awakened to what you're doing is wrong. Stop doing it. Start to walk in this new direction. Start to walk toward God. And so many times we fall short in that, is that, again, we're awakened, but yet we're not moving in a new direction. But again, the call, prepare the way for the Lord, repent, turn from what you're doing, and go a new way. Now, I don't know how many people travel this road, but there are others that I've seen around, but on Mount Airy Road, there are now two not speed limit signs, speed monitoring signs. Anybody seen them on Mount Airy Road recently? Okay, I travel that multiple times a day, and now whenever I go past that sign, I see speed limit 30 miles per hour, and then I see another number below, and it says what I'm doing, okay? Now, not from my own experience, certainly from seeing other people, but if it's 35, it turns red, okay? Just so you know, speed limit 30, 31 amber, 32 amber, you know, when you hit 30, when somebody hits 35, it turns red. And, okay, it's fine. No. <laughs> this is on tape, isn't it? So, <laughs> it's not a confession, um, just observation. So, but anyhow, th- that's showing that what, this is what should be, this is what is, and they're not in alignment. And see, so many times in our lives, we can know what is, and we can push the limit a little bit. We can go to 31, 32. 33, 34, but then sometimes when 35 is where you're really not supposed to go and that's where it turns red, okay? It doesn't always stop us. In fact, sometimes we don't even realize we've gone to 35 and we keep going. So what happens is that we need to hear a word that says you're doing wrong, you need to do right. And that's the purpose of those signs. And I'm working on it. (laughs) Not the signs, I mean, I'm trying to allow their signs to do what they should. But I have always been, I have been very careful um, there uh, before. But the thing is, is that that's what John is saying. He's saying 35, 36, 37, you're past this, okay? Where your life has gone is not acceptable. You need to turn. And as he's doing that, he's preparing the way for the Lord. He's seeing that you need to realize that there needs to be a change. Again, the fulfillment of of Malachi 4, 6, is that he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers. He's desiring to bring things into alignment that John is. This message is to bring things into alignment the way that they should be. So the priests and the Levites were coming out and they were saying again, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? He, he clearly said no, but he also clearly said who he was. And he said in John 1, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet has said. So back in that day, when a king was going to visit Providence, they would literally prepare the roads. They would straighten the roads, they would smooth them out, and, and the people would, could understand what this passage was talking about. It's like, prepare the way for the king that is coming. So that's the, the physical picture, but yet what he was saying is that this is how you need to prepare the way spiritually for the king of kings is about to come. He was preaching that all needed, everyone needed to prepare their lives for Jesus' coming. He was baptizing Israelites when, when, when Israelites typically weren't baptized. Typically only Gentiles were baptized when we were coming into the Jewish faith. But he was baptizing Israelites saying, Israelites, you need to repent. You need to turn. You need to go in this direction toward the God, preparing the way for the Lord. So let me ask you this. Are we called to be a voice calling out in the wilderness of our society? saying prepare the way for the Lord, without a doubt. We who belong to Christ have the same call in our lives to be a voice calling out in the wilderness and our society is a wilderness, our world is a wilderness that needs to hear and receive God and we need to be that voice calling out prepare the way for the Lord. So how do we do that? John's call was a call to repentance to turning and our call should be too. Do we realize that people cannot accept Jesus as their savior if they do do not realize that they are sinful and heading for eternal death? 
And this gets really touchy, I understand that. Because, you know, Mark, are you saying, put on the placard, we have them out here, repent or burn, you know, you can carry those out from grace and no. We're not saying that, okay? But let me tell you is that that may not be something I would do, but I believe God uses that for some people. That they need to understand that turn or burn is true. That if we don't turn from our sin, there is an eternity in hell as a consequence. So here's the thing is that, that God is calling us to prepare the way for the Lord, to help people to understand that they need him. And the Holy Spirit can prompt us and will prompt us if we are desiring to prepare the way for the Lord, for people to receive the message of Jesus Christ, God will open the doors. But can I tell you, it can happen and should happen very, happen very organically. Do you realize that God is calling us to live righteous lives in a way that brings conviction to those around us? Not pointing the finger. Like, it's not... You know, you're in sin, you're dying. You know, one of the best things I can say to somebody is that I was, I was in sin and I was dying. To let people understand where we've come from. That we understand that we were born into sin. And the wages of sin is death. That we were headed for eternity without Christ. And we can use our testimony as a non-threatening way to help people to see the same. That we need Christ. You realize that the way that we live before others truly is meant to be a light to those that are around us. There are numerous things that have come to mind concerning this, but I just wanna share this one story briefly, is that my dad had cancer and before he died, uh, a young person who had been a neighbor came and visited my mom and dad. And he said, you probably didn't know this, but I was watching you as I was growing up. He said, your witness the way you lived helped point me to Jesus. Well, he had become a pastor. This is a young man that I would have never thought that that would be where God would lead him. But my parents were instrumental. I say that to God's glory, but it's because they were shining. They were living a life where people look at our lives and see that Jesus is so beautiful that they want him. We'll see how righteous living truly is the only true life. Our lives really should be pointing again to, it should be helping people to understand their need of Jesus. And that's why sometimes when uh, you know, people are around you, possibly, they're saying, they'll, they'll say a certain word and say, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that word. If that happens, it's usually because those are words that you don't use. And you're not saying anything, but yet your life is showing something. So we're called to shine. We're called to prepare the way of the Lord. We're called to live righteous lives that are pointing to Jesus. So as we prepare the way, we need to understand and embrace that Jesus is holy and I'm a sinner. I need him. I just want to say a brief prayer around this. God, we thank you that you are holy and there is none like you. Jesus, thank you that you are sinless. Though you lived on this earth, you never committed a single sin. And as we look at you, we realize our sinfulness. God, we're so thankful that you reach out to us in our sinfulness. And we pray that you would help us to live your holiness in such a way that others will see their need of you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we point to Jesus, we're preparing the way. Secondly, as we point to Jesus, we need to be humble in the way. So when we look at, the, at John the Baptist, we're looking at a really eccentric person. This was not a guy that just blended in with the crowd, okay? Uh, John the Baptist was a voice of one calling in the wilderness, but the Gospels tell us that he wore uh, a robe of camel hair, he had a leather belt, his diet, I mean, like, how many people's diets do you have in the Bible from like 2,000 years ago? Okay, but this is something significant. His diet was locust and wild honey. Okay, so this is not like a blend in the crowd kind of guy. You know, he comes in the wilderness and he's proclaiming, he's declaring, no PA systems. I mean, there's a loud voice calling out, saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And people are coming from all over. So he's the center of these huge crowds. So this is not, again, a, a, you know, just a blending kind of person. He definitely was standing out. 
But all four of the Gospels record John saying that he is not worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. So although he's a person who's in front of people, he's a person who is loud, he's a person that is different from those around. He's humble. He's humble in the way. So in John chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it says that John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. What does that mean? So untying the straps of, a, of somebody's sandals was a slave's job, okay? And rabbis had a teaching that a disciple of a master should serve that his master and should, should be as a servant to his master except for untying the sandals of his master, that that was below the disciple. And John the Baptist comes, this loud, boisterous person with this strong message, and he says, you know what? I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of Jesus. That's above my pay grade. That's above what I'm, who I am. I see him in his greatness to such an extent that all I can say is I'm unworthy. How does that play out in our lives? How do we be humble while we proclaim and prepare the way of the Lord? I think there's only one way, and it's us being consumed by the greatness of who he is. I sensed that this morning in our worship, that we were looking to Jesus, we were lifting up the name of Jesus and the beauty and the majesty, the greatness of him helps us to see how incredible he is. And in light of him, I'm so small. Now we can take that in a way that God doesn't intend us to. We say, okay then, I can't do anything, I need to just be out of the way. No, remember John was a voice, a loud voice. And he was humble. Jesus said that you are the light of the world. You don't hide that light under a bushel. You put it on a, on a hill so that it shines. But here's the purpose. So that men will see your good deeds and glorify your God in heaven. We don't need to be hiding. We shouldn't, shouldn't be hiding. But we need to make sure that we're pointing to him, that we're humble as we are presenting him. That we're, our goal is to lift him up and to magnify him. Jesus displayed this perfectly, Philippians chapter two. Go and read how Jesus left heaven and came to earth, humbled himself, and he sets the example for you and for me. John's life, John the Baptist, was about humbly serving people. In fact, there came a time a little bit later when his disciples started to leave following him and were following Jesus. That could cause panic in us if those that were coming around us and supporting us all of a sudden are leaving. John rejoiced. John rejoiced. He said, my joy is now fulfilled. His life was about pointing to Jesus. It was not about himself. In fact, John 3.30, verse that I, again, we need to insert ourselves in here as John made this declaration. John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. Constantly. More of Jesus, less of me. So as we are proclaiming him, we need to understand that our insecurities can get in the way. Um, yeah, I struggled how to, how to relate this because in no way do I ever want anything or do we as teachers ever want anything from this teaching stage to, to be condemnation. So I want to walk very carefully here. But we can allow our insecurities, which I think are often rooted in pride, to hinder us from proclaiming the way. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. For me standing here today, there are a lot of things that surround, 
surround this before, like, that I have to work through before I come on this stage. And, you know, one of the things that, that I have to work through is that we are so blessed with incredible teachers of the Word. I mean, Pastor Jeff and, and Pastor Ben and, and Phil and, and Matthew. I mean, I, I just, honestly, I just feed and I, and I love to hear their, their words, but yet I have to be careful that I don't allow that to cause me to be insecure in a way where I don't step forward in the way that God's called me. Okay? Pastor Ben, I'll tell you, I mean, the message last week was so amazing. Absolutely amazing. If you have not heard it, get online, hear it, apply that word to your life. And then, you know, for me through this week, it's like, I, I need to follow that. <laughs> I need to follow him, honestly. I mean, these are things that happen in my mind. And, and the enemy can come in and say, well, you can't bring a word like that. Do you know what? I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to imitate the faith that as Ben has depended on the Lord and sought the Lord and, and read the scripture and listened to the Holy Spirit. That's what I need to do. I'm called to shine Jesus the way he has formed me. And so many times we can allow our comparisons to hinder us from proclaiming the word. But we need to be humble and just say, God, you know, here I am. I just want to be what you've created me to be to be humble. And this can, uh, I'll let the Holy Spirit apply that to your life in the way that he wants to, but I need you to hear that God has called you, he's equipped you, he's formed you uniquely. He's placed you in places uniquely so that you can prepare the way of the Lord and in humility lift him up. There are a couple reminders that um, that are helpful for me. This is a pretty cool symbol. He is greater than I, pointing to Jesus. Um, you can get it on ball cap, you can get it on t-shirts, it's, it's all around, it's a mug. Um, I created this one, I'm not selling it, but you can do what you want with it. That's closer to me. <laughs> Jesus is greater than I. If you can't see it, you'll have to zoom in. That's what I need to remember, because I gets too big. And this, this screen is not big enough to hold the Jesus that we serve. Another thing I would encourage you to look at that's been a, a blessing to me is uh, something called I Am Second. And these are videos done by um, testimonies of people that are very well known. And um, they give their story of how they've come to Christ and how they follow Christ. And bottom line is at the end, I'm second. He is first. We need to be humble and make sure that we have this order correct. <laughs> It's not about me getting attention, it's about him being seen. So we need to be humble in the way. Recognize that Jesus is supreme over all and I gladly serve him. The third thing, as we point to Jesus, we need to proclaim that Jesus is the way. There is no other way. We need to be proclaiming that Jesus is the way. And in John chapter one, Verse 29, John the Baptist makes this declaration, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now I was thinking, you know, we, we, we're, one of our, our study aids is, is, to, um, is to put ourselves in that position of what's happening there. And I've been trying to imagine what this sounded like. When John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I cannot... I, don't, I can't imagine the thunderous voice that was proclaiming. You guys might want to bring it down just a hair. <laughs> Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I don't think a voice could resonate loud enough what was in John's heart to declare that Jesus, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God wants us to be so impacted with who Jesus is that we are declaring, we are boldly proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. What did that mean? It meant that the lamb of the Passover who was shed and her blood was applied to the doorpost back in Egypt is the lamb that spared them from death from the Egyptians. 
It's pointing to the lamb. Two lambs a day were, were sacrificed in temple worship as an atonement for sin. Lambs were brought, lamb after lamb after lamb was slain as a covering for sin. But they were all symbols of what Jesus Christ fulfilled. That Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. He was, he was God himself sent from God to be the payment for the sin of all mankind. And he and only he is the one that can bring forgiveness for all who will believe. We are called to proclaim that Jesus, behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want to read from Revelation chapter 5. This passage has just been resonating in my heart. A day that will come when John, who wrote the Gospel John, has visions. And he sees, he said, I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. He said, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom of, and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And then look, I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. And I heard every creature, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We are called to proclaim that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the Lamb of God and I'm saved by grace. If you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, there's a call on your life, just as there's a call on my life, just as there's a call on John the Baptist's life. That call is to point to Jesus. God is designed for us to be used by him to prepare the way for the Lord, to be a witness that will point others toward Jesus, to be humble in the way, and to be declaring and proclaiming that Jesus is the way and that there is no other. It's a high calling. And we serve a mighty God who is able to fulfill that calling in and through every life. Each one of you, every single one who will trust in him. Because Jesus, John witnessed that the Holy Spirit descended and remained on Jesus. And Jesus is the one who was declared to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to the church that they would have power to be witnesses. The Holy, Spirit's, uh, Holy Spirit unfolds the word and then gives us the power to fulfill that which I've been pointing to today. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can be filled with his power 
and point to Jesus. I want to give us um, focus for this week and then we're going to worship the Lord in song. But as we go into this week, I'd like us to, <clears throat> to look at a few things. First, I really want to encourage us to be praying. Be praying that people's hearts and minds will be open to Jesus. That is preparing the way. That's part of preparing the way that we would intercede on behalf of those lies that we touch and those that we don't be praying that they will be open to the Lord. I want to be frequently asking ourselves right now at this moment, let this be a question that, that just keeps coming to your mind throughout the week. Am I pointing to Jesus? Am I pointing to Jesus? Thirdly, I want you to join a brainstorming session with Jesus. And say, Jesus, show me ways that I can point to you. And then do one of them. Walk in obedience. Continue to saturate yourself in the first chapter of John. But I just want you to know that God is saying to each one of us, point to Jesus. And he's going to lead you and guide you in ways this week that will be beautiful. Because there will be to God's glory as you remain humble and allow Jesus to be lifted up. Would you now join us? Time of worship and song. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.